Rick Stevens, financial advisor with FRS Financial Group, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. For more detailed information regarding any of the topics discussed on today's show, please call 719-500-8700. This is Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial. Here's your host, Rick Stevens. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. This is your host, Rick Stevens, and folks, remember that this is your show. If you've got a question you would like to have answered on a future Money Matters episode, feel free to reach out. Give me a call, 719-500-8700. You can get it to me through email, rstevens at frsfinancialgroup.com, or you can go to our website, frsfinancialgroup.com. Click that contact tab up there in the top right corner. Send us that question you'd like to have answered. Send us that topic you'd like to know more about. We would love to hear from you. Well, folks, this week on Money Matters, we are in studio with my co-host, as always, Andrew Rogers. Andrew, you're looking good in the Honolulu blue today. Thank you. It feels a little bit more uh, royal today than normal. Little, little royal, little royal today as the uh, the now officially crowned king conference champions. Yes, yeah. the king of the north. But but uh, we still got a little bit to go, right? Still got a couple weeks left in the season. Can they get a bye week? We'll That's see. the question. I guess. So first air on Saturday, so we'll know the answer between shows. So I don't want to uh, <laughs> kind of hang my hat on that, but uh, it'll, it all comes down to uh, a Dayton Big D. Yes, yes, indeed, yes, indeed. That is that is coming up. Well, folks, this week on Money Matters, we are at the end of the year. So Andrew, I think it's a good idea to just kind of take a look back at what has gone on this year cuz uh, there's really nothing that that's happened too yeah, much no, this it, year, it's right? Yeah, no, it's been a it's been a quiet year financially. <laughs> uh I I love it. I love it. I love it. So I'm going to move back a little further. Okay. Andrew, I'm going to move back to hit that 2022 what we had going on at the end of that that was Thinking, if you will, there, there was going to be some bleed over okay. into 2023. Um, and I know I know you may not remember this because this is almost a year ago, but coming into 2023, there was a lot of fear no. out there. In in that uh, in that uh, not just the financial world, but in the you know everyday economy. Oh my goodness, holy cow, you know, is it all gonna fall apart next week? Kind of fear going on. Yeah. Um, if we if we look at what we had happening from that uh, inflation side, right, 2022, we saw an 8% annual inflation by the end of the year. Uh, that was, Andrew, the highest inflation rate since 1981. Okay. So we got, we got to go back basically 40 years to find an inflation rate that was higher than what we dealt with in... 2022 we also look at some of those returns in the markets Mm -hmm. 2022 was not a beautiful year in the markets yeah uh the markets had a lot of 
you know, concern, a lot of pullback due to the inflation, the questions about spending, what would the Fed do kind of coming into it. So it was a lot of kind of pension, if you will. Yes, yes, very much so. And, and in 2022, your S&P 500, they saw a minus 19.4%. Your NASDAQ, right, the small company, very technology heavy, pulled back 33%. Mm-hmm. The Dow, and, and this is what I always have to remind folks, the Dow is only 30 companies, okay. only 30 stocks, all listed on the New York Stock Exchange. The Dow 30 was down 8.8%, okay. 8.78 to be specific, but I, you know, don't mind rounding that to 8.8 for the year. It was the only one of those three not down double digits. And in fact, if we throw the Bloomberg uh, fixed income on there, the Bloomberg bond aggregate, it was also down double digits okay. on the year. Here's the crazy part. That stock bond anomaly, right? Because generally I, I tell folks when we're looking at equity versus fixed income, right? Stocks versus bonds. You got to think of it as, uh, and I still don't even know what the proper Colorado term is. Where I grew up, we called it a teeter-totter. Some folks call it a seesaw. Uh, others call it, you know, revenge against your enemies when you drop them off the other side. Yeah. But but typically, you've got that fulcrum, and it's not exactly in the middle. It's actually skewed a little more toward that fixed income, that bond end, because you see the bigger movement on the stock side. You get smaller movements on the bond side, but generally, they're opposite. Yeah. Generally, one's down, the other one's up. And when the one is up, the other one is down. But for only the third time in history of tracking the indexes, or indices, I guess is the official proper term there, did we see both of them down. And it was the first time they were both down double digits, if you look at the mm-hmm. aggregate bond and the S&P 500. First time in history they were down double digits. So you've got this anomaly going on in 2022. We saw some of the sectors uh, out there that just took an absolute beating as well, right? NASDAQ is down 33%, but the communication services, that sector was down almost 40. It was down 39.9. Your consumer discretionary spending, now this will make a little bit of sense when we think about the inflation and when we think about there was no stimulus package that came out in 2022, was down 37%. Percent, okay. and information technology down twenty eight. A lot of different things we can uh, maybe kind of chalk that up to. One of those things, though, is the Fed fund rate yeah. going up, because in the communication services world, the consumer discretionary world, the information technology world, those are oftentimes sectors that really rely heavily on borrowing, mm-hmm. especially on the small company side. Right? We may not have that cash flow out there. So we've got to borrow to get this company going and building a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger. Consumer discretionary, right? Because there are now higher interest rates on your credit cards. People are not actually going to be spending as much on Mm -hmm. credit. Uh, The actual number four in terms of worst sector in 2022 was the real estate market. Shocker. Who would have ever guessed, right, that... Interest rates might have something to do with what's going on out there. Um, We also had a midterm election in 2022 Mm -hmm. uh, that that moved from that uh, fully Democrat White House, House, and Senate to actually having a split House and Senate. Um, That was one of those things that led us into 2023 
and really put all of that fear in people's minds. Yeah. Well, and I know, too, when we were talking about this uh, around the same time last year, that, you know, there was also maybe a little optimism that having that more split and divide would provide some some predictability as far as inaction when it came to Congress, and that might help kind of quell the markets a little bit, which uh, I think kind of maybe happened a little bit. Just uh, just a little bit there, and and you know it's it's interesting those those different pieces when we look at all of these different things that kind of work together and and make markets a little bit more predictable. One of those very predictable pieces is when there's gridlock, mm-hmm. when we have two different parties in charge of each of those pieces in Congress, one in charge of the House, one in charge of the Senate. Business likes that because it's not one side forcing their thoughts or their uh, directives, if you will, down the throat of the other. Yeah, a lot harder to get big, costly legislation impacting business owners, regulations, things like that, through when they can't even agree on what day it is half the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I just love the fact that uh, most recently they've, they've actually, uh, Andrew, agreed to allow the common man uh, really to, to be in, uh, in the Senate because, you know, you're now allowed to just come in in a hoodie if you want and, hey, and shorts. You know, as a proponent of hoodie and shorts as business attire, I will back that one. <laughs> oh, I love it. So that, that kind of sets the stage for us as we've entered 2023. There's a lot of uneasiness, mm-hmm. right, coming out of 22. There's uh, worry about what is the Fed going to do? Because everything they've said, they they actually raised this uh, the the funds rate high enough that we hadn't seen in close to thirty years. Right, it's been a while, or twenty years, excuse me, twenty years that we hadn't seen. And the fear was we were going to get to rates we hadn't seen in thirty. Right, because we last saw that four percent or that four and a half percent mark. Actually, in about 2000, 2001 is the last time we were at that range. But the fear was they're going to take it all the way up to maybe even seven. Yeah. We hadn't seen that since the early 90s. Um, In fact, uh, I think it's like September or so of 1990 was the last time the Fed funds rate was that high. And they kept telling us it's going to be higher for longer, right? This is going to be our new normal with a higher Fed funds rate. Mm Mm-hmm. Which threw most of the uh, pundits and analysts into a tizzy. Yeah, right. They they were expecting crazy things to uh, to to kind of keep going on through there. And and yes, the Fed did continue to raise rates this year, but not as high as most folks thought it was going to be. Yeah, you know we we saw four hikes. We saw February all the way up through July. Each one at a quarter of a percent, right? 25 basis points. So we were at the four and a quarter to four and a half coming into the year. By July, we're at that five and a quarter to five and a half for mm-hmm. the year. Expectation was there were probably going to be two more rate hikes in the year. And not to not to give it away, but it is December. And we're talking about what happened in July. We, we didn't see two more rate hikes, Andrew. Really? And that higher for longer actually started to, 
I don't necessarily want to say taper off, but they're but the the wording from what the Fed governors were out here saying changed. It, it went from very hawkish, right? Of oh my goodness, it's all about the data, and if the data tells us to do this, we're going to respond this way, and. The data keeps trying to tell us we need to raise it and raise it and raise it and raise it. And all of a sudden they went, you know, I think we're good. Yeah. I think we're all right. We, we may not have to do this. Things are cooling off a little bit. Although I do take a little umbrage with their concept of cooling off. Um, what uh, what a lot of folks don't actually get out there and, and say uh, on those financial shows where they're, oh, look at that. You know, uh, inflation has come down. Well, inflation may have slowed down, mm-hmm. but prices haven't come down. Yeah. And, you know, there's also the metrics of what <laughs> we are looking at because we're looking, you know, growth year over year and you can't compete with the year prior. Right. But with that in mind and with those numbers and the cooling down and everything, did we ever actually hit a recession? Well, there, there's this whole theory out there, right? Okay. You've got the folks that are all about soft landing versus hard landing versus no landing. And and my response to that is we've already landed and we went back up again. Okay. Right? Because, again, going back to that, you know, put that, put that old teacher hat on, uh, consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth is a recession. And, yeah. well, those were the first two quarters of 2022. Okay. So theoretically, in my world, if I were standing in front of students today, I would tell them we're 18 months out of the recession at this point. Okay. Because we hit it. Even though nobody on television, especially during an election cycle, would like to say the yeah the R word, R word in there. Well, I guess it also depends on what your definition of is is. Oh, yes. 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 Of course. Uh, of course. So... All of those pieces going on, and and you know we could we could go and and bore the daylights out of everybody talking about the jobs reports and you know non-farm payrolls and this that and the other and housing starts and all that kind of fun seasonal stuff. seasonal adjustabilities <laughs> exactly revised figures, but the grand scheme of it, it all boils down to virtually every analyst looked at where we had been in 2022 and said. 2023 is not going to be pretty. Okay. Um, for for the most part, right? They were talking about there could be a dreaded recession coming in 2023. Um, in fact, about 65 percent of macroeconomists looked at the data and said we expect a recession in 2023. I've got to pull a side note here, though. Okay. Um, one of the, one of the guys I, I just thoroughly enjoyed and, and would use his things often, uh, when I was teaching was a comedian by the name of Yoram Bowman. Okay. He refers to himself as the stand-up economist because he's a stand-up comedian with a PhD in economics. Hmm. And one of my favorite lines, and I look at it and I routinely use that, is that macroeconomists have successfully predicted nine out of the last five recessions. So yeah, from the from the macroeconomist side of this, there's always the overreaction, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's always going to fall off the cliff. It's always going to be terrible. 
But a lot of folks on the analyst side were listening to the macroeconomists. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there were there were some folks who were actually calling for a 20 plus percent pullback of markets in 2023. Most of them agreed, actually, as we were coming into the year, somewhere between minus 10 and minus 15 percent. Guys, it's going to be another double digit down year. Prepare for that. And now I will say, while what was going on with the Fed was unprecedented, right? How quickly they were raising rates. All of the numbers out there, if you let emotion leave, if you took the emotion out and just looked historically at trends and what happens mm-hmm. this, uh, you know, the next year after this, the first year before that, all these sort of things, most of them actually pointed to closer to an 18% positive on the year. Um, my RBG at the beginning of the year looked at that and said, okay, I realize that's what most of these numbers say, but we've seen the Fed do weird things, so I'm going to temper that a little bit. And and my RBG at the beginning of the year was, you know, if we got 12 to 15, it would be all right. Um, I, I don't see all of these crazy things falling apart, but that's just me. Yeah, right? And I might not be the... Uh, the guy on the the high end of the calculus scale doing all these things, but I, I can pick up some some signs. I, I'm I'm pretty good at pattern recognition and figuring out you know what pitch is coming next and you know if he's going to tell the guy to bunt or or try to steal second base. I'm pretty good at that. Uh, Michigan may in fact be able to uh, hire me yeah. at some point. Go sit in the stands. Um, I don't hey, have to record hey, anything. Hey, hey, I can hey. actually just watch the sidelines. Uh, hey, no. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Unconfirmed. <laughs> I mean, he did use his own name. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey, 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 um, So, and as we were going through the year, right, January started out was a pretty good month, and yeah. people went, huh, interesting. Oh, but January's always good. And in February, it wasn't so bad, and people were like, huh, interesting. And by March and April and May, we were actually seeing some pretty good growth going on in the market uh, till till we got really into that June July time frame. And at that point, we were up about twelve percent on the year from January. Now we were definitely not back to our pre twenty twenty two numbers, but we were on the right track. Yeah, we were getting there. We were getting there. But there were also some folks who even in July of this year were still looking at everything saying, uh, no, nah, I think what what happened in the first six months was, uh, you know, to, uh, to quote uh, Alan Greenspan, irrational exuberance. And this, this is just all going to fall apart. It's all coming back. And through some of that, we actually saw that pullback happen in that, you know, little bit in the, the July some more in August, more in September, a little further down in October, to where at that point you're kind of looking at that going, maybe these guys weren't crazy. Maybe it could get back down to 3,800, even mm-hmm. though none of the numbers said it should. It was sort of that uh, almost working on that self-fulfilling prophecy sort of thing because we were up over 4,400 at that point. Yeah. And they were just, no, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. But I do want to go back to some of the predictions that were made in December of 2022. Okay. Looking ahead at 2023. And I and I pulled these off a variety of different asset manager sites. Okay. okay? 
So we're talking places like Morgan Stanley and T. Rowe Price and Goldman Sachs, those guys. The people that are supposed to uh, maybe have a clue about what's going to happen. Exactly. Or at least get paid like they do. Yes, yes. Have a have a very uh, very high sort of uh, emotional response to their view on things. Yeah. Uh, so so one headline read: Analysts say they expect market volatility and a potential recession between now. This was December and the first half of next year. Hmm. I'm going to go out on a limb and start that as an O for one on the day. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's the first inning. You're not sure it's a new guy you've never seen pitching before. You didn't get a good look at the fastball. It's an 0 for 1, but maybe not a terrible 0 for 1, right? You never swing on the first one. No. No, you got to let that thing go. The next headline. The recession in 2023 will drive markets lower. Huh. Okay. So Still- we could have a recession, but now the next one when we have the recession, it'll do this. Yes, yes. When we have that recession, this is going on. I love this one. This was actually, I, I actually pulled this out of the, a report from one of the companies. Be wary of the human tendency to fight the last war, the famed investor Barton Biggs once warned. Most investors today are fighting that last war, the bear market of 2022, and believe that corporate earnings will collapse in early 2023 and bring the stock market down with them. Now, wait, was that Barton Briggs or was that Chicken Little? Yes, I think is the appropriate answer to that. Right? The 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 whole corporate earnings are going to collapse and bring the whole stock market down. Ah! Yeah. Run for the sky. And they're bringing it down with they're bringing you down with it. Exactly. Exactly. It's all going to fall apart. By the way, that's 0 for 3. Yeah. Uh, as we're as we're going through here. Uh then I, I love this one too. Mm-hmm. This one was from a growth outlook on the global perspective uh for some folks. There is no doubt the geopolitical tensions are likely to continue following what we call the, quote, end of the peace dividend. When it comes to the macroeconomic outlook, we expect 2023 to be about recent trends cooling down on many levels. Both growth and inflation rates are likely to slow, especially as the year progresses. That's like a foul ball. Yeah, I was about to say, they got, they got one part of that. They got one part. The, the inflation rate cooled down. I was thinking the geopolitical tensions continued. That's so, true. I mean, they got at least that part, but not the other. They, the they missed the whole growth rate yeah. on there. Yeah, that's the big thing. I, I love the next one. Big tech companies prep for a rough year. Competitors, regulators, and an economic slowdown have started to make a meaningful dent in the fortunes of the largest tech companies. Now, yeah. I'm going to go and, and and say that wasn't just a swing and a miss. That was one of those Bugs Bunny, we swung and missed three times yeah. on that one. Yeah, that was like the spin swing. Yes, I mean, they just screwed himself right directly into the ground, yeah. around and around and around and around and around. Because... That is certainly not what happened oh. in 2023. And we have two letters to thank for that. Oh, uh, yes, we do. So, two more of these uh two more of these predictions coming into the year. Then we'll take a little break, 
and kind of dive in to to the response on this. So when the economy enters the recession, not an if, this one was a when. When the economy enters the recession, earnings will likely decrease from their 2022 levels. But whether that results in lower or higher stock prices by the end of 23 depends critically on when the recession ends. So these folks were all but calling it, it's happening. Yeah, We just don't know how long it's going to be. There's not a, you know, this could happen. No, 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 this is happening, and it's going to harm stocks. We just don't know how long it's going to be around. Yeah. And then the final of this, and again, I love this one. It might be kind of making fun of the economists again. But this one, again, comes directly from Bankrate. Two in three economists are forecasting a recession in 2023, yet corporate earnings estimates haven't come down to reflect that, says Greg McBride, CFA, chief financial analyst with Bankrate. If the economy continues to slow and quarterly earnings calls in January reveal a dour outlook for the year, Corporate earnings estimates will be marked down, and the market could have a renewed tumble. So we've we've seen, you know, a market pullback. Right. We've seen a slow in the market. Right. A correction. Uh-huh. A crash. But where does tumble fill into that on that scale? That's that's an awesome. I'd love to, I'd love to actually see that that scale that uh, that that really spectrum of where correction pullback tumble, slow yeah. down, How, where all those things actually lay out there on that grid. Kind of seems like you go to the hospital and it would have like the different happy phases as far as what's your pain level? Yes. What's your yes. level of economic concern today? <laughs> that's uh, that's exactly what, uh, what you know, maybe we should do that, Andrew. Maybe we should put that together, market it, sell it to folks. It's It, it would be our, uh, our retirement plan. The patented Money Matters chart. <laughs> <laughs> we will give you the scale, the unified code for talking about market concerns. Uh, all, based on, all based on happy faces. Yes. Or not. Uh-huh. So... Well, folks, we are up against the break in today's show. When we come back, we're going to start dissecting what actually happened in 2023. And, well, we're going to talk a little bit about whether or not we should have let all of that emotion get into our lives way back when. So stick around. We will be right back. Are you worried about what's been going on in the markets and how it has affected your portfolio? Maybe you need a financial checkup. If you have questions about the health of your financial future, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary checkup. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Folks, thanks for sticking with us through that break right here on Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. Rick Stevens in studio with my co-host, Andrew Rogers. We've been taking a look back, Andrew, at 2023, even back to kind of December of 22, with what all the different pundits and analysts were kind of looking at and calling for in, in markets in 2023. And most of it was doom and gloom. 
right? Most of it was, oh my goodness, this is going to be bad. Uh, we're we're building out the appropriate scale. You know, where does uh, tumble versus pullback versus recession uh, versus correction and all of those things fall out on there. But you know, advertisers were actually listening mm-hmm. to this as well. Not just not just normal folks like us, but advertisers were listening to this too. And there were some ads that, well, number one, some folks have not actually even updated from the beginning of the year because I still hear some of them in various places. Yeah. Um, but but a lot of it was along the lines of, you've got to buy gold because the U.S. economy is going to collapse. Analysts say that a disaster is coming. Yeah. You've got to be prepared, right? Get that Get that sure thing in an annuity with guaranteed growth. Buy those precious metals. Start stocking up on your emergency provisions because, Andrew, the world as we know it is going to end. Yeah, the financial system is coming down. You need a hedge against this inflation, against the uncertainties in the market. Oh, yeah, it's going to be worse than the Great Depression. And this special stamped silver coin just out of the vault Uh can help you. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's uh, it, it's interesting. I, I had a conversation back in probably mid-22 with, uh, with an individual who um, was listening to a particular program. I think the program originated out of, of all places, California. No. Uh, yeah, believe it or not. And, uh, and the, the individual out there was promoting why silver was going to be what you needed to own. You've got to own silver because by the end of the year, and this was by the end of 2022 is what they were calling, mm-hmm. by the end of the year, silver is going to top out at over $100 an ounce. And, and at the time that they said that, silver at that point – was actually trading at $17 an ounce. It's 18 months later, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Do you know what silver is trading at today? No. $24 an ounce. Okay. They only missed the guess by 300%. They only missed it by 300%. Yeah. Just off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Instead of being up $83, it's up 7 mm. Little off. Little off on that. Yeah. Cool. But can we, can we take a just sidebar real quick about just the couple years silver has had? Yes. It has been the hedge against inflation. It has been the magic cure-all for all disease. I mean, it's been pretty diverse. It is, it is antimicrobial. I know. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you, from your health, <clears throat> wounds... To your, you know, afterlife, your savings, silver will do everything for you. Of course it will. Of course it will. It's uh, it's amazing. All of a sudden, you know, when we need to drive the price of something up, look at all the things it can do. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Now, it's surprising that it's only up that small amount because it is such a universally used product. I mean, it's a wonder drug of all wonder drugs if uh, I've ever wonder drugged a wonder drug. Exactly. Right? You know, it's, it's, all that, it's all that crazy stuff. And that's, you know, again... That's one of those things that I hope at some point in time folks actually can stop, can, can put on the logic and the rational helmet and look at this and go, oh my goodness, somebody actually said that? Why in the world 
would I believe some of these things? Yeah. I mean, granted, fear is a big, big motivator. Advertisers use it all the time. It's a huge, oh, my goodness, ah, I've got to get this because X, Y, Z, you know. Um, you, you, need to, you need to sign up for our freeze-dried food that will last for 15 years. Um, I'd, I'd prefer something a little fresher. Just yeah. saying. And you ever try any of that freeze-dried stuff, Andrew, The the even the camping supplies? Not that great. No. So I'm, I'm just saying in the middle, if we're in the middle of an apocalypse and my choice is either eat that or some dandelion greens, I'm fixing a salad. <sighs> I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. So we got all those scare ads, right, at the beginning of the year and quite frankly all the way throughout. So the question remains then, what do we actually get in the financial markets yeah. in 2023? Now, we are recording on Wednesday. So technically, by the time we've recorded this, the year has not finished. We've got a couple trading days left. Yeah. But I'm going to guess we're not going to see a huge adjustment here because generally there's not a huge adjustment in a couple of days left in a trading year. Yeah. So to date... That last Fed rate hike was in July. So we do sit at that 5.5% as our Fed funds rate. There are rumblings about that rate, instead of being higher for longer, starting to come down in the mid to late year next year. Okay. Looking at maybe from the time they stopped raising to the time they start lowering, maybe in that 12 to 16 month range. And again, I think we covered this a a few weeks ago, not that I'm a conspiracy theorist, but it would not shock me to see that first Fed funds rate pullback in July or September. Huh, yeah. Next year. Just to really feel some impact, have a little bit of time to talk about it. You know, it's it's a little close to November, but uh, I can see where you're going with that. Yeah, not a conspiracy theorist, but if it happens, it's not a conspiracy, right? Yeah. I'm just a theorist. We also can look at what went on in the markets so far this year. Okay. So coming into today, the S&P that most folks thought would be down double digits is actually up 24.9%. Okay. Almost 25%. We are getting close to actually being back to where we were at the beginning of 2022. Okay. We've nearly erased all those all those downs and and I know sometimes you get that question, well, if it was down 19, why does it take up 25 to get there? And I usually tell folks like this, let's say we started at 100. Yeah. If we go back 20, okay, we go down 20%. We're now at 80. Mm-hmm. To get that 80 back to 100, it actually takes 25% of the 80. Yeah. Because it's not the same number we're doing the percentage of. It's a smaller number. So it takes 25% to get back up after a 20% down. So that's why we're getting close. The NASDAQ this year, Andrew, is up over 45%. So that's bad. That, that, that's, that's over 100. Right? That's back over where, where it was from being down last year. And even the Dow, the Dow that is only, and I put that in quotes, only up 13.3% coming into today, is back over where it was at yeah. the beginning of 2022. So... With that in mind, right, we saw mid-year folks sort of revising projections. 
Yes, there were still some that were hanging on to that. It could go down to 3,800. There are actually some that I thought were crazy mm-hmm. because mid year, mid year, when the market was at about 4,400 on the SP, they were calling for 4,800 by the end of the year. Yeah. I thought they were nuts. Well, coming into today, Andrew, the market was at 47.74. So they were nuts. So they were nuts, but nuts kind of is on track to get pretty close to happening. Yeah, so crazy, but crazy like a fox. Yes. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I had I would have never guessed mm-hmm. that we had another 10% run-up available to us in the year, but we hit it. We're, we're getting there. Um, if you look back, Andrew... At 2022, and our worst performing sectors on that year, communication services was down 39.9, consumer discretionary down 30% or 37, information technology down 28.2. You want to guess what the three best performing sectors in 2023 were? Uh, consumer discretionary, communication. Information technology. It's like George Costanza runs this thing. Yeah. Right? It's the opposite, right? Whatever happened the year before, the opposite. Those are the top three performing sectors. Consumer discretionary, up 42.2% as a sector this year. Communication services, up 50.3%. And information technology, Andrew, 57.8% to the positive. Wow. And, and when I talk about these sort of things with folks, one of the things that uh, I, I will often kind of get into and have that discussion about and they're like, oh, I want to get in on that. I do have to remind them that the year before that one was down 30. So you got a plus 57 one year and a minus 30 the other. It doesn't always feel good to get that plus 57. Yeah. Sometimes a plus 57 is what has to come because you were down 30 and now you're kind of back to even on some of these things. You know, it's almost like it's a cycle or it mirrors, you know, breathing where it has to go up and down to have healthy growth. Exactly. And and you know, one of the one of the fun things here, Andrew, and I, and I'm going to put fun in quotes. And we'll we'll actually get into this a little bit more next week mm-hmm. because next week I'm going to do that 2024 full-on outlook sort of a thing. But if you look at the three worst performing sectors this year, and there actually are sectors that are negative on the year, slightly, a couple of them, but they are negative. The three sectors that have the worst performance year to date, utilities as a sector is down 8.19%, which would kind of make sense because of the price of fuel oils and natural gas has all gone up. So utilities would be pulling back. Energy is actually slightly down, down 0.06%, but technically negative at this point in the year. And consumer staples are at a negative 0.59, so a little over half a percent down on the year. All of the other sectors, as we come into today on Wednesday, we're recording this, are all positive for the year. The next one up that's barely positive is healthcare at a 1% positive on the year. Now, If we were to take the logic of you take the worst performing sectors in one year, focus on those, how likely are they to be positive performing sectors toward the top the following year? In 2024, Mm -hmm. it's a presidential election 
year. Yeah. 2024, we expect to see the Fed starting to actually pull rates back. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the top performing sectors are in a presidential election year and when the Fed starts to roll ba- rates back? Not off the top of my head. They would be utilities, energy, consumer staples, and healthcare. Okay. All the things that sit at the bottom this year. Hmm. It's like things might be predictable. Yeah. Somewhat. Now, not perfectly predictable because clearly we're not going to be able to effectively guess the one stock or the five stocks that are really going to have the biggest impact in that. Um, You know, historically speaking, you can look at any given decade and that decade's top 10 performing stocks are typically different from the decade prior. And as we've seen since about 1990, most of the time they didn't even exist the decade prior. Really? It's crazy stuff. So believe it or not, IBM and Coke are not always the guys sitting at the top. Neither is Disney, by the way. Disney's got some issues out there. But this all being said, I've got to ask you, because there's a Mm. lot of positive news. You know, markets had a good year. Markets were up. You know, we had a good rebound. We kind of came out of it. But why does it still feel so glum, tight, and pleasant when it comes to uh, kind of the economic picture right now? So there, there are a couple of different pieces to this. Uh, one of those is that the bulk of the growth in both the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 this year, came from seven stocks. Okay. Uh, I actually read an article the other day that called them the Magnificent Seven and the Mediocre 493, (laughs) uh, which I thought, okay, that's that's actually pretty funny um, out there. The the Magnificent Seven this year, Apple up 54.4%, Microsoft up 56.4% on the year, Alphabet, which we would commonly know as Google, up 58.8% on the year. Amazon, up 78.8% on the year. Tesla, up 137.4% on the year. If you bought a share of Tesla at the beginning of January, that share has more than doubled in value at this point. Really? Because I thought he tanked it with Twitter. Of course, of course, of course he did. Sure. Great opportunity to go buy more shares back, but I digress. Meta, right? Facebook, on the year, up 184.5%. And then we get to the AI darling, NVIDIA. On the year, NVIDIA shares are up 244%. That's a lot. Yeah. So that's why you see these big movements in the market, but it's not really everybody who's showing big movements. Yeah. These are just moving so big, and there's such huge components, it looks like there's a lot of movement going on. So, I mean, without ruining my reputation, uh-huh. I know there's already some concern out there. Well, you are a Lions fan. But so what I'm hearing is at this point the rich just got richer. Maybe almost like a 1% type uh situation. Perhaps. Perhaps. And that uh, that actually kind of 
brings us back to one of those predictions, right? The big tech companies need to prep for a tough year. Yeah. I wouldn't mind if my tough year was, uh, you know, I'll even take the plus 54% at Apple. I'll take that. I would rather have the plus 244 for NVIDIA. But as a big tech company, I'll, I'll take that as a rough year True. on there. So that's one of the pieces, right, as to why it's it's all this, hey, look at how great everything is out here. And you're going, but my pocketbook doesn't yeah. exactly feel that. One of those other reasons in there is that while inflation has slowed, we're still paying more. Because 2021, we were 4.5% inflation. 2022, we were 8% inflation. This year, we're hovering right around that 35 to 3.8% mark. So if you take all of those together and we look at the inflation over the last three years, stuff's not only not getting cheaper, it's probably 20 25% more expensive than it was three years ago. Yeah. And... And this kind of comes to part of the issue I have when we are trying to figure inflation. That doesn't include food and fuel. I have no clue why the two biggest expenditures that you've got as a consumer outside of, say, a mortgage or a car payment, why we wouldn't include food and fuel in that. But we don't. Yeah, Food is definitely higher. Yeah. The two biggest things that impact... Right. Your everyday budget. Yeah. So with all of that said, one of those reasons that you kind of look at stuff and go, ah, but I'm not as happy as that looks like I could be. Yeah. It, it really comes down to what does it cost me to live every single day? When When people get happy that the inflation rate is slowing, that doesn't mean prices are actually coming down. That just means they're not going up as fast. So- what cost me 75 cents three years ago now cost me a dollar and maybe even a dollar three. Um, some of the other pieces, and and uh, I'm not going to go uh, horrifically political here like George would, mm-hmm. um, but I will say that there, there are, even as the economy as a whole is better, there are still some problems within the systems. Um, I know one of those things that I just got reminded of, uh, I think it was yesterday, uh, as I was uh, actually listening to you in the morning on uh, on KRDO here, was that uh, the plastic bags don't just, you know, didn't just cost us 10 cents this year. They go away January 1st. Yeah. And now I've got to pay a dime for a paper bag. Not that that's bad, because for the last year, most places haven't had paper bags, and that's what I actually put in my recycling can yeah. is the paper bag. Uh, to be able to reuse that one. So we're, we're getting that change getting instituted. There, there are things both at the federal and the state and the local level that are constantly being changed, being adjusted, and, and we have to deal with that in the house, in our house, right, in the Stevens yeah. house, in the Rogers house. TJ even has to deal with that in his house at times. Yeah. So... Not everything that we see in the market is going to affect what we have going on at home directly. Mm -hmm. Now, with that said, Apple, 
bringing out new things, right? Every year or yeah. two years or however long they decide to put it out there. That may directly affect folks, especially if they are of that uh, Apple franchise sort of a house. Yeah. Um, Microsoft doing some adjustments out there, making different things. That they are involved in the AI market. Um, I actually had that conversation with somebody uh, not too long ago. They were talking about, well, why would why would Microsoft get involved in the AI market? I said, guys, Microsoft's been involved in AI since the mid-90s. Yeah. Like, really? I said, don't you remember that paperclip that used to pop up and talk to you? Yeah, Clippy. Exactly. They've been involved. That was artificial intelligence back yeah. then. Um, they've been involved in that. Amazon, Amazon may have a little bit more direct impact uh, as folks are continuing to buy more and more from the online retailer out mm-hmm. there. Um, but but things like Tesla, uh, whatever happens to Tesla doesn't really affect anything at my house. Yeah. Because A, I don't own one. B, I'm not planning on buying one. And I don't have the solar panels, so I don't need the power bank on my wall either. Yeah. So that, that doesn't really uh, affect me that much. Uh, the meta Facebook stuff... Do I have a profile on there? Yes. Mostly what uh, I will put up there are the lovely traffic issues that I yes. run into from time to time. Yes, or, the rants about traffic or the rants about Michael Jordan versus LeBron. Uh, that's only when people are totally wrong. When they're totally wrong. When they're taking things so far out of context. Okay. You just got to go back as a guy who actually watched Michael play to go, that's not the way that actually happened. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying. Um. But beyond that, uh, it's not like I'm buying and selling things on the Facebook marketplace, mm-hmm. right? So whatever goes on with their stock directly at my house isn't going to matter. And same thing with NVIDIA, right? The chip maker, I'm not really worried about what goes on with NVIDIA yeah. unless it's going to make the, the cost of the next laptop that I have to buy because I now have another child who's ready for some online classes, it's just going to make that maybe a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. That's what it's ultimately going to come down well, to. Well, but I got to ask then, too, like with these prices and, you know, kind of getting that inflation mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe if we see a rate reduction, how long are we going to have to wait then to see some of these consumer prices maybe start to see a correction or go down? Or is this just going to unfortunately be that new normal? Well, I think for the most part, and I'm going to put that uh, consumer hat on here. We're, we're going to keep the prices fairly steady where they're at. Yes, there might be a little wavering north and south. And in the long picture, right, if we step back and take a 20-year look at prices, I think 20 years from now we'll go, wow, that's how much we had to pay back then? Look at how little we're paying now. Yeah. I don't think we see that year-over-year incremental step down on a price. Um, I think what we ultimately end up seeing, especially on the technology side, is that what we pay now to get that, you know, one terabyte hard drive, five years from now, we'll pay that for a two terabyte Mm -hmm. hard drive. So the price may not change, but what we get for the price will, if that kind of makes sense in there. Um, You know, not to not to take that over to the to the food side, because it's not like we're going to start getting, you know two pounds of beef for what we paid for one pound of beef now, because that would actually mean the price went down. Yeah, that would um, be good. That would be nice. I would I would take that. I would Actually, I would much rather prefer the, uh, the price of eggs going down, because we go through about four dozen a week at my house, Andrew. Really? I've got like 87 kids, so 
you fix uh, you fix eggs a couple of times and and you make one menu item through the week that requires eggs and well, it's like four dozen of them. <sighs> have you thought about chickens? I have, but I know who would have to take care of those chickens, and I don't have time to take care of those chickens. Yeah. I don't I don't have time to 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 count my chickens before they hatch. I don't have time to uh, you know. Go toss a little seed out there. And mm. have you ever lived near chickens, Andrew? No. It's not a smell that you'll enjoy. I, I can promise you that. Well, I figured with as many teenagers as you've had, uh, you'd be used to it. Uh, well, the girls actually are better at showering than than the boy was. All right. But I, th- I think that's that's kind of you know par for that course. So there we have it. Twenty twenty three, coming into the year. Everybody thought, oh, goodness, doom and gloom. The economy's going to fall apart. Here comes the recession. Not only is it coming, we don't know how long this is going to last. It could be short. It could be really long. We don't know. It, it could, you know, all implode on a moment's notice. And I don't know if you've ever checked the actual technical definition of a moment in terms of the amount of time, but a year is certainly longer. Than a moment, yeah, Andrew, and and a year in, with many, many, many moments over the course of the year. What was predicted by most economists, by most analysts, who I think were listening more to the hype than listening to the numbers, did not come to pass. Really, believe it or not, but the folks who were looking at and listening to the numbers. They actually got stuff right. I left a few out on the uh, the analyst pieces because, you know, of course, showbiz. Uh-huh. There were a few folks that said, hey, as we're looking at this and we're seeing what happened then, and we've got that midterm election that just happened in the 12 months post-midterm, this is what ought to go on. That also puts us within 18 months pre-presidential election. This is what also goes on. This is when, you know, market does A, market does B, uh, economy does C, and we're seeing all these other little, uh, we'll, we'll call them outlier indicators. Yeah. And they seem to point at this, we actually got what some of those folks thought were going to happen. And those were the folks that literally just looked at the numbers. Yeah, but Andrew. they were also the outliers. As yes. far as the predictors and the prognosticators. Yeah, they were they were the folks who went, uh, Detroit never wins the division. Let's let's not put them up there. Let's you know what? I don't care if uh if Green Bay has Jordan Love. We think the Packers will win it this year. They were wrong. Yes. They, they weren't looking at the facts of the matter. Mm-hmm. They were they were too busy going, you know what? They traded off TJ Hawkinson. Who's gonna make all those catches this year? I think we got a couple guys who yeah. who stepped up, and Sam Laporta wasn't wasn't so bad this year. No, I believe he set the record. I think he's you know I think he might have surpassed Hawkinson as far as tight ends this year. He's up there with you know your with your Kittles and your Kelseys. Well, the the last that I saw, um, he is the was he the first tight end with seventy catches, 
700 yards and 10 touchdowns as a rookie or whatever mm-hmm. the number that is. Yeah, it's insane. It, it It's it's kind of like the Lions knew what they were doing, but nobody else understood it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's where you go back to the draft. Everyone was saying, why? what, this isn't 85. Why do you get a running back and a linebacker mm-hmm. and tight end? And look, that running back and tight end, first combo to both have. Yes. 10, you know, I think either 9 or 10 plus in a season. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, ultimately, what it comes down to is, if if we're listening to folks who are allowing emotion to dictate what they do with the analysis, emotion is not a good analytic no. out there. You got to take a look at the numbers. You got to understand what the what what the, uh, the the past performance has done and why, and see where those indicators start to line up moving those different pieces forward. Yeah, Aerosmith may say that the emotion is sweet, but it's not how you plan your financial future. No, no, not in the least. Well, folks, that's all the time that we have on Money Matters this week. If you've got a question you'd like to have answered on a future episode, feel free to give me a call, 719-500-8700. We will be back again next week. We will be continuing to talk about your money because your money matters. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.